All right, and we are live with another episode of Mentor Minutes. Just a chance for you to ask any questions you have about leadership and management, any obstacles you're facing in the workplace with your employees, your peers, your boss. Just uh, ask those questions down in the comments section on whichever channel you're watching this, whether it's the Facebook Live session, whether it's the YouTube videos, or whether it's on the podcast, I'll get those comments in to either this episode, if it's Facebook Live, or on the next episode, I'll go through those comments. So any questions as we queue up some people here uh, on the, uh, the live session, I do have some questions that I received offline, and this is always an option for you. If you wanna remain anonymous or have something particularly sensitive to ask about, you can always direct message me through Facebook. You can always email me, cm at cameronmorsey.com. Those are all great ways of doing that. Jonathan, so good to see you here. So my first question I have is that I am a, I'm working in a bank as assistant manager of taxation. My manager is very scared whenever I meet with the chief financial officer. I don't know why my manager prohibits me from meeting the chief financial officer. So this happens a lot of times when your boss is sensitive to what you're going to say when you meet with their boss. And it can be that their boss just strolls through your department. There can be skip level meetings. Um, there can be meetings that happen about other things, special projects that you're involved in that your boss isn't involved in. And this happens with those bosses that are particularly insecure and deep. What I would probably uh, be able to wager a guess on is that your boss is relatively insecure and maybe isn't the strongest leader um, that's out there and has some things that they should be legitimately concerned that you might bring up to their boss. Now, what you do in this case, and this goes for everybody, if you want more exposure up the leadership ranks, if you wanna have some exposure to your boss's boss, your boss's boss's boss, that sort of thing, what you want to make sure you have is you want to make sure that you have the support of your boss, your immediate supervisor, because they're the ones that interact with that person more. And so if there's tension there at all, it'll be picked up on by the boss's boss and they won't want to meet with you anymore. So in this case, go to your manager and make sure that your manager is clear on what you're going to be talking about what uh, what concerns you might have, what information you're looking for, if you're gonna ask the, the, the chief financial officer questions. And then what is absolutely essential is not only that you inform them what you might wanna be talking to the chief financial officer about, but you want to go to them afterwards and let them know what is discussed. Especially for your those bosses of yours that may be insecure, you need to kind of boost their ego up, I wanna say just a little bit, that's the wrong way of kind of looking at it, but you wanna keep them in the loop because that brings down their concerns and brings down those fears. So make sure you're informing your boss what you wanna to talk to their boss about, all the questions, all the information that you're looking for, and then you do come back and you make sure to inform them right away on what was discussed, what you found out, all of those things. And it doesn't hurt to you know come armed with one or two things that your boss does particularly well. If you want to meet with their boss more, then give, give, give some positive feedback in regards to your boss and your boss will all of a sudden be uh, very interested in you speaking to their superior. Next question I, uh, I had came in, sorry, it's uh, from deep here, and that's how do you deal with colleagues who are always uh, talking something ill about you? How do you stay positive and continue to form, perform better at the workplace in these situations where you're having this negativity? And you're going to run into this. You're going to have those people that are haters, for lack of a better term. You'll also have that group that's gossiping all the time. And gossip is rarely 
of a positive variety. It always tends towards the negative. So this is something you're going to deal with with human dynamics. You get a group of 10, 12 people, and oftentimes it doesn't even take that much, and you're going to have some naysayers out there. Realize that their problem is most likely about them. One of the most common things that happens when you have negativity being brought up to you from a coworker is that is what is known in psychology as projection. People are taking what they are concerned about amongst themselves and pushing it out onto you. I don't see where you're taking enough time because they're worried that they're not taking enough time for the job. They're worried, they, they constantly talk about your adherence to quality standards when it's them that are worried about their own adherence to quality standards. So realize that most likely this is telling way more about the person who is spouting that negativity towards you than it is about your own performance. So that's your baseline for it. The other thing that I want you to do is to combat the negative, you combat it with the positive. So that can be you keeping track of your own metrics. How many calls did you take today? How many emails did you answer? How many invoices did you process? Orders did you ship? Projects did you complete? Whatever it happens to be. Keep track of your own performance and recognize your own successes. This happens a lot with a boss who does not recognize your successes and it can happen with peers who happen to be very negative. You can recognize your own. Take control over that environment. Now, you know, you can go the constructive route and saying, hey, this isn't particularly, you know, um, constructive for me to get this sort of feedback from you. Really, I, 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 you can go down that route and you may already have tried it, but really realize it says more about the other person and then track your own successes. Create your own charts of your performance and, and keep those reminders of how good you are and how steady you are up and present and visible in front of you. And that creates that barrier where, you know, if, let's, let me draw this example. If the person that is spouting negative stuff about you is the worst employee in the department and is crummy and stupid, for lack of a better term, do you really take what they say at face value? No. And so when you have these positive reminders of you, when you're tracking your own performance, when you're taking time out at the end of the week to write down, hey, what did I do really well? What was a success this particular week? Then you create that buffer zone where those, that negativity doesn't really have any chance to, to sprout and, and grow from there. So I hope that helps you out, Deep. Um, how do you know, and this is, this is an interesting question for everybody out there, how do you know when you're not a good manager, supervisor, leader, and it's time to get out of the game to return to being a minion? How do you know you've given it your all? I don't want to quit too early if I'm just going through normal growing pains as a new manager, supervisor, leader for three years with no training. And what I want to tell this person, received it in a direct message, is you will never feel that you are a perfect leader, that you are a great leader. You probably won't because you always recognize those times where you could have done better. And so that's part of the reality. When it comes right down to it, the measure of a good leader is the results that you get. All right. So are the results of the organization or the department improving? Whatever those results happen to be, that's what you're truly measured on. When everything else goes by the wayside, that's what you're looking at. So what results are you looking to take what re or, or make? What results are you looking to improve? And are you improving those? And if you're improving those, then you're on your way to being a, you know, a great leader. The other aspect of, of leadership 
two areas that I look to focus on is communication. Well, it's actually, it's the same. It's communication and engagement is what I was going to talk about. All right. When your team is coming to you with ideas, when your team is coming to you with feedback, that is a sign of good leadership. All right. So if you have those open lines of communication, that's the sign you're looking for. That's what I look for when I go into organizations and I'm doing workshops or I'm looking to coach up some of their team. I look for what the engagement protocols are. What is the offhand ad hoc engagement that takes place? Are people bringing ideas forward, feedback forward, and is that flowing the other way? So is it a two-way sort of street with communication? That's the mark of a good leader. So that's what I would, I would highlight upon. Make sure that your communication is proper, that it is two-way, that you're getting engagement from the team. And if you're doing that, you're on your way to being a great leader. But look to the results. That's what you really want to hone in on are those results. Now, that doesn't mean in three years, not a lot of time. You'll see a lot of people on here that have got 20, 30, 40 years of leadership um, in the leadership trenches. Leadership isn't easy. It takes effort. It takes energy. It takes growing skills. It takes falling on your face, picking yourself back up and learning from the experience. And none of that is particularly easy. And so one thing that does occasionally happen is leaders do burn out and they need a break because they've just expended too much energy. It's not that they don't want to be um, in leadership roles anymore. It's not even that they're necessarily a good leader or a bad leader. It's just that they're tired and that does happen. And so in those cases, what I would recommend, and this might be something to recommend for you as well, and that is to look to bring a little bit of balance. I've worked, I've opened hotels on the Las Vegas Strip. I've worked 60 days straight. And I didn't necessarily have a problem with that because when that was taking place, there was a lot of passion and work, but I was also focused on making the most of my time outside of work. So it isn't that you just go home and you veg out. You go home and you take your kids to the park to go play. You go home and you prepare a, a meal that you've never prepared before. You go home, you go out to a movie perhaps instead. You go out with friends. You make the most of that time and you bring quality time into the outside and that re-energizes you more than just vegging out. Hey, vegging out is important occasionally to, to do that, but bringing a little bit of passion and bringing a little bit more quality into your free time can have an effect on your work life as well. So that's, that's my two cents on that. Um, Last question, then I'll start getting to the questions that I've been queuing up here. I just had a little bit of a backlog over the weekend of questions that I received offline. So if you have any questions, drop down in the comment section. I'll get right to them. Um, I've been with a nonprofit organization in the medical field for 15 years and promoted three times in that time. I feel it has come time for me to seek out a different career path. I'm in a rural area and middle management jobs are scarce. I'm really wanting to move into the for-profit realm and possibly outside healthcare. Can you provide insight on how to approach a change like this? Thanks for any help that you can provide. So looking to make a career shift after 15 years, very normal. Um, so that, that's, that's not uh, abnormal in the slightest. What I want to address first and foremost is moving on from say the medical career or moving from nonprofit to for-profit. The skills that you have learned in leadership over the last 15 years, you've been promoted three times. The skills that you have learned are absolutely transferable into a for-profit environment or into a non-medical environment. All right, It might not work into the perfectly with, with whatever job you end up going for, but there are a ton of skills as far as 
coaching people is concerned, training people, handling escalations, handling problems, working on projects, all of these things you have in your back pocket and they are the foundation for any particular leadership career that is out there. And uh, you know, coming from a non-medical field, I will tell you right now, the, the perception is that the medical field has more pressure on them than perhaps other fields do because it is kind of a life and death sort of thing depending on where you're at. So you get a little bit of props for that. But what you do is with your resume and with your background, you just highlight those aspects of things, the training, the engagement, the one-on-one -on -one meetings, how you fired, hired, promoted people in the past, what special projects you put into place. It doesn't matter necessarily that it is medical. It matters that you went through the right process and that process is transferable. So that's the background to focus on. Now getting into the, the nuts and bolts of being in a rural environment. My advice for people that are in rural environments is A, look at job boards that have telecommuting options. FlexJobs is, is one that's out there. I think remote.com is another one. There are sites that specialize in telecommuting for management jobs. They've got vice president positions, CEO positions out there that are telecommute jobs. So take a look at those, but also take a look at the nearest three metropolitan areas on CareerBuilder, on Monster.com, whatever the big job boards are in your area. But take a look at the three nearest metropolitan areas. You may find jobs on there that are a telecommuting. You may find jobs on there that would allow for you to come into the office once a, once a week, once every two weeks, once every month, something like that. So there may be some flexibility there. What that will also do for you, and this is very, very important when you're looking to switch careers, is it will start narrowing your focus a little. So you don't necessarily know what you want to apply for right now go out on the job boards and start taking a look at what it is that interests you. What jobs pique your interest? What parts of those jobs pique your interest? And so what that's going to do is that's going to bring a little bit more focus and a little bit more into the known for you as far as this eventual job hunt is concerned. So if you have any other questions on that, and hey, anybody out there, if I, I have an answer and you wanna follow up on it, definitely ping me and I'm happy to kind of revisit any of these topics uh, that are out there. Jonathan has our question, first question of the day, and I appreciate your patience if you're still on there, Jonathan. Um, could you share some views on how to say no to your manager? This happens when you're given an execute only task, which could, in your view, be tackled differently, and you don't want to be the bearer of bad news when you have offered alternative solutions. Um, part of it is getting into a first principles for lack of a better term on it, Jonathan. So what is it that is looking to be accomplished by this particular task? And reference why another route might be better for doing that. But um, what I actually recommend in the case of this, that's one way of tackling it, but the other way is to get clearer on the questions to your boss. So why is it that you would do that route? I have no, you know, say, I have no problem going this, I'll dive right in. But is there a reason that you want to do that one as opposed to this one? And so you're you're engaging, trying to engage a discussion. Okay, it's not accusatory, it's not defensive. You're trying to show that you are inquisitive, Jonathan. That's what you want to be coming across as, not defiant, but inquisitive. Now you've already tackled the big thing as far as no's are concerned. No's are fine with two things: you give a reason for the no, and you give another alternative. So it is. Well, right now, you know, to say, try to give you a task. 
right now I'm working on this, this, and this. And if those are higher priority items, I think it might be best to shift this over to Cameron and have him do it. And so you're giving them a no, but you're giving them the reason for the no, and you're giving them another alternative for a solution. That's the way to give no's to almost anybody, but especially your boss. But in, in your case, as you're kind of describing things here, you want to try to create that dialogue. So what questions can you ask about it? What, you know, if you're not clear on something, make sure that you, you know, you're asking, but asking in that inquisitive way. Hope that, I mean, that's really the nuts and bolts of what I want you to try. And if that doesn't work for you, ping down in the comments below um, and I'll, I'll kind of walk through some more, uh, more uh, deeper information on that as you get some there. Um, so I'm, I am caught up on questions. I had a bunch over the weekend, um, just a couple here. So if you have any questions, I will answer them right now in real time. Uh, just drop down in the comment section. I did want to highlight that this Friday I'll be discussing The Culture Code by Daniel Coyle. Excellent book that recently came out um, on leadership management. It's really team building and culture um, is, is what a lot of it is. And there's a, you know, it's, it's one of those books that's kind of a little bit uh, larger than it really needs to be, but there are some great nuggets of wisdom in there in that, uh, in that extra part that's there. So I encourage you, it's 12.30 p.m. on this Friday. Definitely make sure to check it out. And uh, if you don't have any other questions, I'm going to give about five more seconds here. Be sure to check out the podcast. Go over to my YouTube channel. That's a great place to watch uh, all these videos or just listen to it. I listen to a lot of podcasts actually through YouTube as opposed to iTunes itself. So with that said, if you have any questions, you came to this late, you can always drop down. I'll get it on the next episode of Mentor Minutes or you can direct message me on Facebook or email me cm at cameronmorsey.com. Appreciate you tuning in on a Monday morning. Let's go get some this week, all right? Thanks.